Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 68 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. Thank you for once again giving me some of your time today. Speaking of today, if you're listening to this episode the day it drops, then it's Columbus Day here in the States. Like last year, I decided to look at some traveling-related phrases. So we're going to explore the etymology of some more exploring sayings. Just a quick note, I have a new swag store with new designs for the show, as well as other designs that I like. I keep adding to it, so check back from time to time. I put a link in the show notes. You can support this podcast and or many other artists. Okay, that's enough ado, so let's get going on today's phrases, origins, history, and more. First up today is the saying, bad news travels fast. This just means that bad news often gets quickly shared far and wide, while good news doesn't make the rounds as easily. Some studies have shown that bad news can be shared with almost double the amount of people that good news will be shared with. Another factor is that many people share good news only with their family and friends, but they'll share bad news with anyone who will listen. So it's easy to see why bad news would seem to spread faster. Versions of this idea have been around since at least the 16th century. For example, we have Guevara's Epistles, written in 1574 by a writer named E. Hellos. That's all I could find out about him. I don't know his full name or where he was from, but here's what he wrote. Quote, Evil news ne'er cometh too late. End quote. Not long after that, in 1592, Thomas Kidd, the English playwright, wrote the Spanish tragedy and included this quote, Evil news fly faster still than good. End quote. So, while it's at least that old, we have to move ahead over 200 years in time to find the use that made it more popular. In 1839, the English writer Charles Dickens published The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby, which included, quote, Ill news travels fast. End quote. That's all the bad news I've got, so now, let's jump on the bandwagon. To jump on the bandwagon means to join up with a growing movement to support a person, company, or idea. It usually has a connotation of being something done opportunistically, and maybe not with true intentions of support. Basically, it's used to say you think someone is supporting something just to say they support it, rather than because they actually care about it. It's probably most often used in relation to politics. This idiom can be traced back to 19th century America, and to better understand it, we need to look at the bandwagon itself. Back in old-timey times, a bandwagon was much more literal. It was simply a horse-drawn wagon that had a platform on it for musicians. It often led circus parades, but in 1848, Dan Rice, a famous clown, 
used his bandwagon to carry politicians around town, using the band to attract folks to wherever the campaign speech was being held. This literal act of jumping on bandwagons became idiomatic by at least 1899, which we know because that year President Teddy Roosevelt included it in a collection of his letters that was later published in 1951. He wrote, quote, When I once became sure of one majority, they tumbled over each other to get aboard the bandwagon. End quote. This not only helped make the saying more popular, but it helped it become much more tied to politics. So with that, let's go sailing. The idiom, ships passing in the night, refers to two people meeting, then parting ways shortly after, never to see each other again. Now, this kind of thing technically happens every day. For example, maybe you go to a different branch of your bank than normal, or go to a grocery store in another part of town. You meet someone working there, go about your business, then go about your way, and you never see them again. However, this phrase is often used to describe a situation with a what-if element to it. Maybe you have a date with someone, mutually hit it off, but for some reason never see them again, and find yourself wondering if it could have worked out. That's more like the one-time meeting that would be described with this idiom. The meeting needs to have some meaning, not just be one during an errand, to really fit this idiom. So anyway, where does it come from? Well, the ocean is a really big place. At night, it can be unbelievably dark. Two ships, especially in old-timey times before they had radar and big electrical lights, could easily pass by each other without even realizing the other was there. This is where the what-if element comes into play. What if the ships saw each other? Maybe they could have traded goods to make the trip easier for both ships. Even when it became easier to locate other ships at night, since the ocean is so big, it's feasible to imagine that two specific ships passing by each other, during the day or night, may continue sailing on for years and never pass each other again. The idea has to be more than 150 years old, because we first find it in writing in 1863. It was in Tales of a Wayside Inn, a poem written by the American poet and educator Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. It includes this line, quote, Ships that pass in the night and speak each other in passing, only a signal shown and a distant voice in the darkness. So, on the ocean of life, we pass and speak one another, only a look and a voice, then darkness again, and a silence. End quote. That's all I have for this one, so now, let's play Marco Polo. Okay, obviously we can't really play Marco Polo right now, but I am going to tell you the history of this game that shares a name with the famous explorer. However, first, we need to talk about a blind man. Not a specific blind man, but the original form of this water-based game took place on land, and was called Blind Man's Bluff. This game has been around since at least the 16th century, and in case you've never played either version, it goes like this. One person is it, and they have to close their eyes or be blindfolded and try to find the other players. They have to do this by moving around, typically with arms outstretched, in hopes of bumping into someone. 
The players avoiding being tagged by the person who's it can either be silent, trying not to make noise as they move, or they can make noises in an attempt to confuse them. It just depends on which way the participants want to play. However, in the water version, most people play more audibly, with it calling out Marco and the others replying Polo, although they're still allowed to move around to avoid being tagged. So how did this game make its way to the water, and why did the name change? Well, no one seems to know exactly when this game took to the water, but it's the water itself that led to the name change, although it may have had more to do with the movie than the famous explorer himself. In 1938, a movie titled The Adventures of Marco Polo was released. In one scene, a gondolier is paddling through the canals of Venice, all the while calling out for Marco Polo in an attempt to locate him. Between this and Marco Polo's overall association with exploring, also known as looking for stuff, the water-based version of this game took on his name. And in case you're wondering, the game of water polo has nothing to do with the renaming of this game. There are a few other stories floating around out there about how Marco's name became attached to the game. Anything from him getting lost while exploring to hallucinations he had after getting lost from his family caravan. But most people attribute it to the scene from the movie, since the movie is definitely real, while the stories from his lifetime are harder to pin down as true. With that, it's time for today's familiar quotation. Toppers, Today's familiar quotation is from Billy D. Williams. Here's what he had to say about exploring. Quote, It's in our nature. We need to explore and find out what's going on outside of who we are. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Williams, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, love advice from old-timey times. Just a quick disclaimer, remember that this advice is over 100 years old. While some of the advice is still good today, I don't necessarily agree with every tip I read from these books. It's for entertainment purposes only. With that out of the way, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't boast of your husband's money or birth or cleverness to your friends. It is nearly as bad as boasting of your own. And now for the men. Don't delegate the carving to your wife on the plea that you can't carve. You should be ashamed to own that you can't do a little thing like that as well as a woman can. It is just laziness on your part. Besides, a man ought to take the head of his own table. Alright toppers, that's gonna do it for episode 68. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and you learned something along the way. 
Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, how to send me topic suggestions, how to support the podcast, and for details about the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. If you want bonus stuff, check out my Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, I wish you safe travels. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. For example, we have go... Mm-hmm, nope. For example, we have Guevara's epistles. Guevara's epistles. Thomas Kidd, the English playwright, wrote the Spanish tragedy. Tragedy. <laughs> that was a tragedy of me saying that word. Using the band to attract folks to wherever the campaigns... Campaign? Campaign? Which we know because that year... Pre- mm, nope. And find your se- 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 However, first, we need to... Whoa.